0: Welcome to B.I.B. Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, look, I think many folks have some anxiety about, you know, say automation and whether their own jobs might become redundant as technology takes over many more of the roles that we do in the office. But are those worries really justified? Are robots coming for our jobs? Our next guest has a bit of a different take here. Jim Stanford is a labor economist, and he's a director at the Center for Future Work here in Vancouver, and he's released a new report titled, Where are the Robots? It looks at how Canada actually needs to accelerate its adoption of technology in order to be you know, better productive and create better paying jobs too. Jim, thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Okay, so your report, your, your study, it's not necessarily cu- concerned about these robots taking over our jobs. Um, Canadian companies are adopting technology at, say, a slower rate. Um, some people think, well, okay, that means that if it's slower, not many robots are going to come take our jobs. But that's not really the concern here. Tell us why that slow adoption of technology is concerning to you right now.
1: You know there's this uh, whole kind of historical stereotype that we're all going to be replaced by machines and it does kind of infiltrate people's thoughts and uh, expectations about their careers in in ways that uh, strangely are not really supported by the economic evidence you know you go back to the industrial revolution and the luddites uh, throwing you know wrenches into the machinery or uh, the old song John Henry about the railway worker who died trying to keep up with the machine and And nowadays, you know, that we're all going to be replaced by an algorithm uh, of some kind. And uh, if you look at the the history of employment statistics, there's no evidence that these technological changes really do produce mass displacement or technological uh, unemployment. And when I looked at the Canadian data, I actually came to an opposite concern, that from the perspective of workers, the bigger issue is we aren't adopting enough new technology and machinery and automation and as a result, you know, the, the quantity of jobs in our labor market is, is very strong, but the quality of those jobs isn't what it could be. And uh, if anything, I think the bigger danger for workers is that we don't have enough tools and machinery and equipment and technology to do our jobs with, and that undermines our potential to, to have great jobs, high incomes, and by the way, more leisure time.
0: You know, Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland, she mentioned in the budget a a few weeks back that we we have a bit of a productivity problem here in Canada. Is is that something that you've kind of uncovered just looking into your research that's, you know, we could be a much more productive country, especially when we look at ourselves versus our global peers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in fact, the productivity growth has slowed down uh, over the last uh, couple of decades. Uh, which in a way is contrary, again, to this, you know, mythical stereotype that we're all being replaced by machines. Productivity is a way of measuring how much output you produce for each given worker. And if indeed we were being replaced by machines, productivity should be shooting up. But in fact, it's been pretty sluggish uh, compared both to previous times in our history and to other industrial countries, in particular Uh, places that are using more technology and machinery and, yes, robots. Uh, So comparing us to, say, Korea or Sweden or Germany uh, or Japan, uh, our productivity growth uh, has been uh, too slow. And that means, again, that our incomes aren't growing and uh, our products are not uh, as competitive as they could be in in world markets.
0: So, and maybe I'll, I'll kind of illustrate some sort of picture. It's a hypothetical situation. Um, I don't know how much it reflects reality, but let's say a robot comes in and uh, does some sort of job here. Yeah. It's mostly about kind of reallocating where that person is going to be, finding them uh, You know, doing like tasks that a robot couldn't necessarily do, and that would require you know, better knowledge on their part, and then that would in turn be- make the company more productive and you'd have better paying jobs. Is that kind of the idea here?
1: Well, it, 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 can, it can happen that way in an ideal situation. Uh, the impacts of uh, automation and robots on employment demand are actually pretty complicated. You know, on the one hand, you say, OK, you know, there's uh, Joe Blow on the assembly line making widgets. Uh, I've now got a machine that can do that. Um, we don't need Joe anymore. So that's the immediate impact. What you see is a person being replaced by a machine. But then you have to ask, well, where did that machine come from? You know, it didn't fall from the sky somebody had to think of it, engineer it, develop it, manufacture it, ship it, install it, maintain it. So there is work involved with the machine. So Joe Blow is uh, not working there anymore, but there are other people working on the task of uh, building and developing and operating machinery. Then there's another thing that happens, which is as you put more machinery and technology into work, um, you generally open up opportunities for other goods and services that you can produce, that in many cases you didn't even think of before. This is where new technology opens up new opportunities for uh, production and employment. Um, And in general, all of those offsetting effects kind of have evened out. So there isn't evidence that there's much impact at all. If anything, it's probably a slight positive impact that when businesses invest more in machinery equipment, you actually get more employment at the end, not less. But there's all kinds of offsetting things uh, that are happening. And it can be very positive, Tyler, or it can be very negative. Like I'm not just a techno utopian saying technology is the solution here. Uh, It all depends on how technology is applied, how the costs and benefits are shared, and who gets to make the decisions. You know, if it's all just up to Elon Musk or some other ultra billionaire at the top making all the decisions like a dictator, then you can rest assured that we aren't going to actually share in the gains of technology. This is where workers have to have a say and in, in my judgment, some bargaining power to make sure that technology is used in ways that lift our quality of life rather than just kind of intensifying our work and, and in some cases degrading it. You know, I, I, it's Vancouver, of course, so I can't help but uh,
0: bring up real estate and housing mm. here. And, um, you know, uh, you do have some kind of uh, uh allusions as, as to why there might be weak business investments uh, here in this country. But tell me a little bit about how housing is kind of playing a part in kind of the, the weakening of business investments. Uh, yeah, over the past few decades,
1: really, since the the turn of the century, there was a tremendous turning point around 2001 uh, in Canada's technological trajectory. In the half century before that, we were uh, an innovative country, big time, Uh, all kinds of investment in innovation, in R&D, in new machinery and equipment. Our productivity was growing and kind of closing the gap with the U.S. and other industrial countries. And then a couple of things happened around the turn of the century. One of them was the whole resource boom, in particular, the uh, oil and gas industry and um, bitumen uh, operations in Alberta those sucked up just an enormous amount of capital and they they are, do not use a lot of machinery and technology and innovation uh, in those operations uh, compared to other sectors of the economy the other was the real estate boom you know which started gathering steam in the 2000s and then it really went to the stratosphere uh after 2008 this is where you can trace the the real housing bubble in vancouver and other major cities in canada Uh, Interest rates were slashed in 2008 because of the global financial crisis. Then they stayed near zero uh, for the next decade. Then they were slashed again uh, with the COVID pandemic, of course. And uh, we've now got a situation where the Bank of Canada is starting to increase them, but they're still very low. Those ultra low interest rates drove up property prices, made a fortune for property developers. And so the real estate sector sucked up an awful lot of capital as well. Uh, In fact, uh, one of the shocking findings in this report in 2021, so last year, first time in history, Canada's economy invested more in new housing construction than in all of the business capital structures, infrastructure, machinery equipment put together. Ah. So we really are becoming a housing infatuated economy, and that has lots of risks, not least being. Uh, the technological sophistication of our business sector is really falling behind. Housing is an important industry. Obviously, every country has to have a good housing industry, but it isn't high tech. You know, obviously, they use technology in building and they use technological features in new homes. But if you're putting most of your capital into housing, you're missing the boat on all of the other things that we should be investing in.
0: Well, so we've kind of outlined what some of the issues are right now. Uh, What do you propose we do about it at this point?
1: Yeah, uh, well, the report concludes we made about six different uh, kind of policy recommendations about ways to try and nurture uh, more of a a positive attitude towards technology and innovation and automation uh, in Canadian businesses. Uh, I'd like to see a reforming of some of the fiscal supports that are given to business. We have implemented some really expensive tax cuts for the business sector uh, since the turn of the century, and they have not worked. Uh, I would say mostly because there's no strings attached to them. We've got reduced corporate tax rates, but there's no requirement that companies pour that money back into new capital. I'd like to see a reforming of those incentives so that you only get the uh, the incentive if you're investing. I'd like to see the public uh, research and development budget expanded and have it operate more directly in partnership uh, with uh, uh, the private sector. Uh, I'd also like to see us get, you know, really hands on in terms of building and and expanding some of the high tech industries that use robots and other machinery uh, more intensively. You know, we uh, we used to be a leading country in auto manufacturing, aerospace, pharmaceuticals, electronics, and our footprint in all of those sectors kind of withered away this century as we became more of the resource exporter Uh, kind of country. And I think we need to get back to emphasizing the importance of those high-tech industries, because if you don't have those industries, you're not going to have an opportunity to put technology into use like you should. So uh, just moving forward,
0: do you at least feel comfortable that those in the knowledge-based sector, you know, we're talking about uh, technology, of course, um, that's kind of that expertise can kind of uh, go into different fields, kind of help it out? Because I just think about like, we're coming out of this pandemic and there's still going to be kind of this Big gap between you know uh, folks that uh, were able to kind of benefit from, not, not necessarily benefit, but get out of it okay, versus those are still kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to say uh, falling uh-huh. behind, but still having difficulty right now?
1: Well, um, obviously, there's a, a really important role for high tech jobs in our labor market and in our economy, and high tech jobs are growing quickly. Um, it's important to remember they actually still make up a small share of the total labor market. You know, only about 7% of all the new jobs created in Canada over the last five years would be in one of those kind of traditional high-tech clusters like uh, computer programming, um, engineering, um, and other uh, sort of STEM-related technology jobs. Um, So those are important and we need more of them. But at the same time, uh, a couple of things we have to remember we aren't using all the skills that Canadians have today as effectively as we could, in part because we don't have enough of those high-tech industries that we were just talking about. And then secondly, even if you did have them, the reality is most jobs in society are, are never going to be engineers and computer programmers. Most jobs are going to be doing services, public services, private services, uh, the other things that we need in our day-to-day life. And That doesn't mean those jobs aren't important and it doesn't mean that they can't be improved in terms of their quality and training and compensation uh, and so on. So I think focusing on the high tech jobs uh, has a role to play, but I think you can become too obsessed with thinking everyone has to learn the latest coding language and then they'll be fine. There's a whole bunch of other things we have to keep our eye on uh, if we want a, a successful, balanced economy.
0: Do you think that there's still maybe the potential that even as we have more automation come in or more technology investment coming into companies as well that's um there are those
1: opportunities for say reskilling within the labor force. Oh sure that's a, that's an important part of making it happen well like we talked earlier about you know as you automate you change a job from let's say a direct job on the assembly line into an indirect job in um uh, engineering or design or operation or maintenance. So in order to help the person from the assembly line move into one of those new jobs, you got to give them some job security. you got to say, look, you're not going to get thrown out by this. We're going to retrain you and redeploy you. And by the way, everybody's complaining about the labour shortage we have in, in Canada right now. So in that case, you should treat every worker like a valuable commodity and figure out what you can do um, to get the most out of that worker in their job. And reskilling and redeployment is a big piece of that
0: and how does a pandemic you know tie bit tie into kind of the the labor shortage that we're experiencing globally and and what we're talking about here because you know uh, there might have to be some innovation made to fill in those gaps with yeah. regards to the labor force too.
1: No, for sure. It's uh, it's absolutely stunning what's happened with the pandemic. I would have thought we were headed for a depression and and the first months were a lot like a depression, but then the rebound in overall economic activity and employment was just stunning. Uh, supported by obviously the huge fiscal injections uh, from government for the CERB and the other uh, the wage subsidy and all the other programs that government put in place. So now we have uh, unemployment that's very low by historical standards and uh, employers are having a hard time finding enough workers. And this is exactly the kick in the pants to employers that can support automation and productivity. If workers are hard to find, then employers naturally are going to have to think about how to use them most effectively. Don't hire someone and give them a broom and tell them to sweep up over there, Uh, hire someone and give them machinery and knowledge and skills uh, to do a great job with. And a labor shortage, uh, particularly if wages are rising, can be a great incentive for employers to think about how to use new technology as ambitiously as possible. Excellent. Uh, Jim, I could pick your brain for another
0: uh, 20, 30 minutes or so, but uh, (laughs) I really appreciate you making time to chat with us today.
1: Thank you very much, Tyler. I enjoyed it.
0: That's Jim Stanford. He's an economist and director at the Center for Future Work. And that is it for the show today. But you can still go to BIV.com for more stories, videos, interviews, and more over there. In the meantime, I just want to thank you all for listening once again. I'm Tyler Orton.